Marsh Valley Church. It's uh, delightful to be with you both here, those that are in the room, and those who are watching uh, on Zoom, whether that's at home or at work, if you should be doing that, or um, maybe in a coffee shop, wherever you are, whether it's today, Sunday, January 2nd, or some other time, it's delightful to have you uh, with us. Uh, two scripture passages I want to read from this morning before we begin our sermon. The first is from Genesis chapter 15, verses uh, 1 to 11. It's uh, where Abram is again promised a son. Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me since I am childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Abram also said, since you have given me no son, one who has been born in my house is my heir. Then behold, verse 4, the word of the Lord came to Abram saying, this man will not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. And he took him outside and said, now look toward the heavens and count the stars if you are able to count them. And the Lord said, said to him, so shall your descendants be. Verse 6, then Abram believed in the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess it. And he said, Lord God, how may I know that I will possess it? And so the Lord said to him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And then Abram brought these to him and cut them in two and laid each half opposite the other. And he did not cut the birds. And the birds of prey came down upon the carcasses and Abram drove them away. Our New Testament reading for today comes from Galatians chapter 3 and, it, and it's uh, Paul's comment or Paul's uh, using the events of Genesis 15 to talk about the difference between faith and works and what saves us. Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 uh, to 9. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law? or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? So again I ask, does God give you his Spirit and work miracles among you by works of the law, or were you by you believing what you heard? So also Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Amen. Let us pray. Lord God Almighty, whether we're here in the room or at home on Zoom, I pray, Heavenly Father, that the words of my mouth, that your word, the meditations of all our hearts, Lord, as well, would be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks to 2022, uh, lots is changing, isn't it? At work, at school, at home, and yes, even here at Rouge Valley Church. Uh, what doesn't change? Who or what can be relied on in the coming year, right? Uh, we were trusting the, the science table who said, go get vaccinated, and, and once we all got vaccinated, then that would be an end to masks and lockdowns and restrictions, right? You were trusting your employer who told you you're an essential worker, only to be fired. Uh, that's part of the story I'm living right now in 2022. So I'm asking this question, who can be trusted here in January 2nd, 2022, as much or perhaps even more than many of you who are here today, who are listening, uh, watching at home. This is something real and live for me. We were trusting the pastor. We were trusting the elders. We were trusting the denominational official. We were entrusting, a, insert the religious leader, and, and they abandoned, they disappointed, they failed us in some way. I could rehearse a long litany of uh, Christian leaders over the last couple of years who've let us down, couldn't I? Got a friend or family member who is adrift and looking to rebuild their life in 2022 along with me, along with you, then I want you to invite them to this series of sermons I'm going to be preaching over the next number of weeks. Uh, if you've got somebody, send them the link to this video right now. I'll, I'll wait for you to get them on here. Have them fast forward to this time in the recording. So regardless of what's changing in your world, what has changed, what's changing or might change in your job, your family, even your church, no matter who has let you down, despite who's betrayed or abandoned or disappointed or rejected you, I want you to know Rouge Valley Church. I want you to know Jake Birch. I want you to know watching at home. You can build a firm foundation for a great 2022. Hear me, brothers and sisters. You can build a great foundation for 2022. In fact, I want us to, to do something. You know, there's not that many of us here in the room, and I'm not sure how many of you are watching here at home, but I want you to do a repeat after me, okay? We're going to repeat the phrase, I'm building a firm foundation, okay? Ready? Uh, you may or may not be used to it, but that's okay, all right? Let, let's repeat together the phrase, I'm building a firm foundation on the count of three. Ready? You two at home. One, two, three. I'm building a firm foundation. Now let's do it again like you mean it, all right? I'm building a firm foundation. One last time on the count of three. One, two, three. I'm building a firm foundation. Brothers and sisters, this series is called Solid. And I want you to hear the dictionary definition of solid. There are two English meanings to the word solid. The first is solid is defined as something firm and stable in shape, not liquid or fluid. The stream, quote, was frozen solid. Similar words to this first meaning is hard, rigid, firm, set, jellied, congealed, concrete. The opposite is it's liquid or gaseous. But the second definition of solid, listen to this, 
is something having three dimensions. Quote, a solid figure with six plain faces. When I was thinking of praying about how to start my own 2022, and as I was thinking and praying about Rouge Valley Church and, and hopefully thinking and praying about you watching online, and I was, as I was beginning our Let's Connect foam and Zoom calls with so many of you, I just went to BibleGateway.com, and I want you to know I don't really recommend this, but it's what I did. So I went to BibleGateway.com, and I just simply typed in the little phrase with quotes around it, believe in. And I looked at what came up. If you want the results of what came up, I'll, I'll send them to you, or you can go find them out for yourself even right now. And I want you to know that there are 71 different times in the Old and New Testaments in the New American Standard Version that the, that the specific phrase, believe in, comes up. And as I examined those 71 occurrences, and I studied them, and I prayed about Rouge Valley Church in my own life, I found that these 71 occurrences fall into about seven different categories of, of things that God wants us to believe in, things he wants us to build this firm foundation for 2022 upon. I want you to know that one of them is not believe in your pastor. Don't build your firm foundation for 2022 on me or whatever year you're watching this. The seven uh, firm foundations, the seven solids I want you to build upon your life and this coming year over these next number of weeks. The first will be God. We're going to talk about him today. The next, interestingly, we're told to believe in the commandments. We're going to talk about them. We're to believe in Jesus. Thirdly, the gospel. Fourth, the power of Jesus' name. Be, make that part of your firm foundation for 2022. Number six, believe in the resurrection. We're called to do that. And seventhly, we're, we're called to believe in the second coming. And so over these next number of weeks, not next week, which I'm going to tell you at the end of this sermon, who's coming and preaching next week, you'll be excited about it, are, are what I want us to build our firm foundation on, our solid year of 2022. Now, to be clear, the Alliance Canada, the family of churches that Rouge Valley is a part of, uh, believes in more than these seven. But it's really instructive to me and has been instructive to me as I've studied for this series what the Bible actually calls us to believe in. I don't know about you, but one of the things that the pandemic has kind of got working inside me that maybe I need to work out is I just sort of want to take everything back to kind of first principles. I want to kind of come back to the simple. Even today with our technological challenges, it's just delightful in a way just to sing with one another. Yes, it's great to have tech. It's great to be on Zoom and live and all of that. But I think part of what God wants to do in my life is to take it all back, make it all a little less complicated, a little less reliant on myself and all of our techniques, and just focus on him and us together. Remember my definition about what a solid is from earlier? That it's something that's, number one, firm and stable, something you can build a firm foundation on, but it's, number two, something having three dimensions, height, width, and depth. So today and on these other solid Sundays, we're going to examine three dimensions of each of these solids that God wants us to believe in. We're going to ask the same three questions of all these various items going into our firm foundation. Dimension number one, what should I believe in? The second dimension, why should I believe in it? And then thirdly, to what benefit 
How should believing in this or that impact my life, my church, my community? So our three dimensions for each of these solids is what, why, and for what benefit. So where does the Bible start in what the Holy Spirit wants us to believe in as a firm foundation for 2022 or any year that you're watching this? Well, it comes, our first text comes out of the first passage I read this morning, Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. Then Abram, in the New American Standard Version, it says, believed in the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. Our first solid for this coming year is God himself. You came to, be, you came to church to be told this afternoon to believe in God? Come on, Pastor Jake. You know, you've got to do better than that. Surely we all believe in God here. Let's just look at this together. God is the first person the Bible wants us to believe in in 2022. Genesis 15 is the story of God asking a man to leave his safe place and go someplace dangerous based only on one thing, his promise. Genesis 15.6 tells us that, that God has declared this man, Abram, righteous because he traded safety for danger based on only his promise. This pattern of trading safety for danger based only on what God has said will be repeated throughout the Bible. Abram's grandson, Jacob, will leave the safety of his tents to go meet his estranged brother Esau based only on God's word. Joshua will leave the relative safety of the wilderness to, for warfare in the promised land based on his trust in God. Ruth will leave the safety of her home country, Moab, for the danger of returning to Israel with her mother-in-law, Naomi. Nehemiah will leave the relative safety of the king's court in exile in Babylon for the danger of rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem with enemies both within and without. Mary, will, we've just read about, that will leave the, the safety of her home life and her virginity for the danger of an unwed pregnancy that first Christmas. Jesus will leave the safety of heaven for the danger of the incarnation based on God's promise. Peter will leave the safety of fishing for the dangerous and ultimately deadly belief in God's call upon his life. You know, I could go on and on. All these men and women trading safety for danger based only on belief in God. That's why our first Sunday is all about believing in God. It's interesting to me that from the very first verse of the Bible, uh, the Holy Spirit calls us to trust, not work, uh, for, uh, for our salvation. Genesis 1, verses 1 to 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was firm, formless and void. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. It's interesting to me that the Bible begins in what in the English language is called the indicative mood, meaning the indicative mood is simply the the, the type of speech where you just simply tell it the way it is. You're not commanding people in the imperative mood. You're not asking people a question in the subjunctive mood. In the beginning, God maybe created the heavens and the earth. That's the subjunctive mood. 
The Bible tells us that what God has done and invites us to see the hand of the Creator in all of His creation. In a way, Genesis is respecting our perspective as creatures within this creative world. Genesis 1 does not argue for God's existence nor seeks to prove Him beyond us having look at all that He's created. The Spirit of God hovered over the waters of the deep in Genesis 1, inviting each of us this day as well, January 2nd, to believe, to trust what our eyes see in creation, what our hearts perceive when we quieten ourselves, when our minds understand, when we read the Scriptures, that God exists. Now, the Bible students among us, or perhaps just those who have simply read the passage on the screen in front of you, We'll note that Genesis 5, uh, Genesis 15.6 does not say God, but rather that Abraham believed someone there labeled the Lord, all in caps. And there's something a little wonky about those words, that the Lord is not just spelled capital L, small O-R-D, but notice that the word is, generally speaking, in most of our English translations, all capitalized. Now let's remember, or maybe you don't know, which is not a problem, that the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, not in English. So what we're reading today on your screens in front of you is a translation. In most English translations, putting the word LORD in all caps, L-O-R-D, is a way to signal something very sacred. So sacred that it should never be misused. And because it should never be misused, we don't even translate this word into English but we do this special LORD thing with all caps. What word is so special that it should never be misused in the Old Testament? That's a great question. But before I answer that question, go all the way back to Genesis 1 for a moment. In Genesis 1, the Holy Spirit says that, notice, God, not the Lord, created the heavens and the earth. The English word there in Genesis 1 is actually the Hebrew word Elohim. It's the generic noun meaning divine being. Elohim is even used of of pagan gods of the nations all around Israel in the Old Testament. And now let's fast forward past Genesis 15 and look at Exodus 3. In Exodus, God, who created the universe, is asking another man to leave his safe place and go back and do something dangerous. And here is where the God, the Elohim of the Old Testament, goes from being just a generic God, any old God really, to being what's signified there in Genesis 15-6 as the Lord. Genesis 3-15, if you you call it up on your phone there, God, notice it brings these two words together, Elohim, that word from Genesis 1, said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, all caps, the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has sent me to you. And so here, Exodus 3.15 is the first time we have revealed to God's people the name of this God who created the universe, the name of the God that I want you to believe in this morning. This is the point of of Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, when it says that Abraham, uh, Abram just didn't believe any old God. No, Abraham believed in the Lord. Now in Hebrew... 
The Hebrew word underneath the words the Lord is actually Y-H-W-H. Sometimes it's pronounced Yahweh. You may even see that in uh, modern worship choruses do that. Whether they should, that's a whole other question. Uh, the reason we put the word the Lord over top of that Hebrew word Yahweh is because of the Ten Commandments, which we're going to talk about in two weeks. Exodus chapter 20, verse 7 says, You shall not misuse the name of the Lord, all caps, your God. For the Lord, all caps, will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. And so Abram just didn't believe any old God, just didn't believe in a God. Abram believed in a God who has relationship. Notice how he's defined in Exodus 3, that he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the God who knows them personally. He's the God who knows you personally. He's the God who knows and has a covenant with each one of us, first as our creator and hopefully as our redeemer and king. So where do we start? with that firm foundation in 2022, where Genesis 1 starts us off, believing and trusting in a God who calls us to do dangerous things, believing not in ourselves, not in our abilities, but trusting in him, in his love, in his power. And as Genesis 15, 6 makes clear, in his relationship with us. Well, that's the first dimension. What should we believe in? Brings us to the second dimension of something solid. Why is belief in God true? I've already started my answer to this question by telling you that the Bible doesn't try to argue for God's existence apart from pointing us to his works, primarily his work in creation and in Christ. Uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 20 says this, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood. Listen to what it says here, Romans 1, 20, From what has been made. So the invisible God, Romans 1, 20 says, is understandable by the visible things He has created. 86-year-old Jewish-American author Harold Kushner writes this, Think of it this way. No scientist has ever seen an electron, but all scientists agree that electrons exist. No physicist has ever seen a quark, but all physicists believe that quarks are real. Why? Because when they look into their microscopes, they see things happening that could only happen if quarks and electrons existed. I believe, Kushner goes on to say, uh, I believe in the reality of God the way scientists believe in the reality of electrons. I see things happening that would not happen unless there was a God. What things, you ask? C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, looked at the conscience, for example, this sense of right and wrong, not what constituted right and wrong, but that across human history and cultures, each of us has a sense of right and wrong. He argued that this sense of right and wrong was a reflection of God's indelible image stamped on humanity. Canadian apologist John Morrison writes, quote, this belief that science eradicates the need for God is a myth many people believe today. The truth is that science, the study of the world, and the collection of our findings has not and cannot disprove God. There's no scientific journal that has disproven God's existence. This is because God cannot be put in a test tube and neither verified nor falsified. God is a spiritual being and is outside the reach 
of empirical scientific research. Christians cannot prove God, the existence of God, with absolute certainty, nor can atheists disprove his existence with any certainty. That does not mean that we cannot look at the evidence as to whether or not God exists. Dimension number one of something solid. What should I believe in for 2022? Dimension number two, why should I believe in it? Why is it true? And dimension number three, to what benefit is there in believing in God? Well, the company OnePoll did a survey this past December 13th, and they did a survey of 1,000 Americans. And I want you to note that December 13th was just sort of the beginning of this latest Omicron wave. And they aimed to get an end-of-year reflection, what they said, on many different subjects and found that 53% of uh, Americans feel that 2021 has been, quote, the worst year of their lives, unquote. It's been so interesting to begin to get to know the people of this church through my Let's Connect phone and Zoom calls because for a lot of people, 2021 has actually been a great year. But for almost an equal amount of people, 2021 has been a really tough year. Many of those thousand people that were surveyed were no doubt Christians, uh, given about 40% of the fact, given about the fact that 40% of Americans are Bible-believing Christians. So even if it wasn't a majority Christians, let's just admit that a large percentage, and maybe even of us here today, would say that this last year was our worst year ever. Other stats I heard over the last couple of weeks bear out the tough times a lot of us are in. I was talking with a, a large church in California of all places, and I asked them how their congregation was weathering COVID, and the longest serving staff member told me this. He said, uh, one third of our people have disappeared. We have no idea where they are. One third of our people are brand new to our church. We have no idea who they are. And one-third of our people, listen to his analogy, he said, have dug in, meaning that they are the reason the church has survived and even thrived at some levels during the pandemic. You know, we're told that there are 27,000 churches in Canada. A few years ago, the Nature Trust of Canada, the part of the federal government that looks after historic buildings, did a large tax-linked data survey of all the churches in Canada, all 27,000. And it was their estimate, uh, estimation in the spring of 2019, so this is about a year before the pandemic, that within 10 years, one-third of all churches, that's 9,000 congregations from sea to sea to sea, would close their doors because of how precarious their financial situation was. So in this situation, where it's been a tough year, where it's been a tough year for a lot of Christians, where a lot of Christian communities are right on the knife's edge. What benefit does belief in God provide you, provide your family, provide this church, provide this community? At its heart, belief in God means we believe in an open universe. We believe that the universe is not self-determined, that someone or something outside of our world had to create our world. So facing 2022 and all that it could hold, both good and bad, we trust that our future is not simply 
the iron result of our choices, our sins, our victories, our circumstances. Belief in God benefits you and I because it gives us hope, brothers and sisters, that God can and does intervene. A belief in God benefits our church because it means our story is not our history. That we are not captive to our past and the, and the good or bad we've done or had done to us. A belief in God benefits our community because it enables us as, as individuals, as families, as churches to act with confidence that what we lack in terms of resources, vantage point, partnerships, that he has all in his storehouses that we cannot see. I really learned this during my job search over the last year. I was kind of pursuing sort of three different tracks, a kind of a, a secular track, a, a not-for-profit track, and a church ministry track. And I'll just be honest with you, the secular track pays a lot better, generally speaking. But I was just sort of bashing my head against the wall. One day I'll put all the graphs up on the uh, on the screen, and I'll maybe talk you through it. Uh, maybe I'll have a sermon on what to do when you're job hunting. And at a certain point, I think I was approaching my job hunt as just sort of a numbers game, sort of a human endeavor. Send out more resumes, and I'll get the responses that I want. But then my wife, who's sitting right down here in the front row, basically said to me, in a moment of kind of discipleship. You know, Jake, maybe God wants you to open yourself up to what he wants. And until you're willing to say, God, I'll take whatever you want for me, then he's not going to let any of these things work out. And brothers and sisters, I don't know if God works this way in your life, but he works this way in my life. And I did. I came to that moment where I just had to pray and say, God, whatever you want, is what I'm going to walk into. And you may say, well, you should have done that on the first day of your job search. Well, okay, yeah, like I should have. And yes, I'm like a pastor, but I'm also like a person. I'm also a sinner. I also like want certain things as a man. And until I came to that place, that sort of Matthew chapter 6, 33 place of saying, God, I want to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. And then the great tagline of that verse is, and then he'll add all these things unto you. And until I came to that place, not just in my head, if you had asked me on day one of my job search, Jake, are you there? I would have said, of course. But despite all the resumes, despite all the things that were going on, God didn't open his storehouse and provide me with resources and opportunities until I came to that place, not just in my head, but in my heart. To say, God, whatever you want for me, regardless of what the numbers say, regardless of what it looks like on paper, what it looks like on LinkedIn. Lord, whatever you want for me, that's what I want for me. Until I came to that place in my heart, he didn't give me anything. All I had was rejection letters. I'll show you the graph. One, one statistic I will give you, out of the almost 200 places I applied to, 53% of employers didn't respond back with anything 
So if you're an employer out there and people are applying to you, at least send them an email saying, thanks for applying for the job we're not gonna give you. But it wasn't until I came to that point where I was really open to what God wanted for me in my heart, that then he added unto me all these other things as well, as Jesus says. So where does your firm foundation for 2022 start? Brothers and sisters, I want our foundation for 2022 here at Rouge Valley Church to start where the Bible starts, by believing in a personal God. Is belief in God enough? Well, the Bible goes uh, on to talk about at least six other things that we're going to talk about over the next number of weeks that will go a long way to help us having a firm foundation for 2022. But, you know, it's interesting that there was a people in the Bible for whom belief in God, it seems, was enough for him and for them. There were pagans living in the ancient great city of Nineveh who worshipped all manner of gods, when Jonah the prophet was sent to them, he preached a very simple message on repentance. And what do we read? Jonah chapter 3, verse 5. Then the people of Nineveh believed in God. They called a fast, put on sackcloth, from the greatest to the least of them. They had heard enough from the prophet Jonah. They had seen enough in the world around them, like Genesis 1. And they knew enough about themselves. They started over their city's life by believing in God. Brothers and sisters here and on Zoom, I want us to start 2022 over in that same place. Believing in a God who loves us and who knows each one of us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I give, him pray, I give you praise and thanks today that you are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that you're a personal God, that you're not just Elohim, but Lord, with all reverence, you are Yahweh, and that you, in the mystery of the Trinity and the Incarnation, came to us in the person of your only Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're thankful, and we'll learn in subsequent Sunday's Lord about the power of Jesus' name. We'll learn to believe in him and what all that means. But here today on this day, Father, we rejoice with the people of Nineveh in the olden days who heard about you. And Lord, that was enough for them. They turned from their wicked ways and followed you. Lord God, would we have that kind of faith to say what 2022 needs more than anything else is for me to believe that you are already there, Lord. You're ahead of us. You have the resources we need. You have the people we need. You have the, the perseverance we need. You have the money we need. You have the love we need, Lord God. Things today we can't even imagine. You've got what we need, Lord, in the year ahead of us. So, Father, we want to build a firm foundation for this coming year by building on you the solid rock, the God who loves us, and who gave himself for us in the person of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. John, do you have a song for us?